Hi, and welcome to Walk Talk, a podcast courtesy of the Wound, Ostomy, and Continence Nurses Society. Walk Talk is your opportunity to learn more about advocacy, education, and research that support the practice and delivery of expert healthcare to individuals with wound, ostomy, and continence care needs. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Jody Scardillo. On this week's edition of Walk Talk, we sit down with Joanna Burgess-Stocks. Joanna has been a certified wound ostomy incontinence nurse for many years and has been an ostomate since childhood who always wanted to be a nurse growing up. She is very involved with the UOAA, the United Ostomy Association of America, and is currently their advocacy chair. She's well-versed on all those topics related to advocacy that are so important to our WOCN members and is also heavily involved with ostomy. Ostomy Awareness Day that's coming up on October 5th. Please join me in welcoming Joanna to talk about Ostomy Awareness Day and the celebrations that'll be going on. Thanks for joining me, Joanna. Well, thank you for having me, Jody. It's such a pleasure to be here. I know. I'm so excited to talk with you about Ostomy Awareness Day that's coming up. Yes, coming up fast, October 5th. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I do know that you're a CWOCN that practices. So tell us a little bit about your practice and how you're involved with UOAA and all that kind of stuff. Well, sure. My journey actually started long ago. I was three years old when I was diagnosed with bladder cancer. And I'm not afraid to tell my age because I'm just happy to be here. That was in 1965. So I had ostomy for a urostomy. So it was urostomy surgery and struggled in and out of the hospitals for many, many years. As you can imagine, being a kid with a new ostomy and a cancer diagnosis, it was actually rhabdomyosarcoma of the bladder, which is pretty rare for a three-year-old, but that's my story. Traveled along in life, in and out of the hospitals. By the time I was in my early 20s, I had developed radiation colitis, so ended up with a colostomy as well. I, as a young adult, carrying two ostomies, it was a little daunting at times, but I had a lot of good support. I really did. But my one, the the foundation that carried me through all of my life, through my childhood, through my young adults to this day, is that I wanted to be a nurse. And I think it was my way of figuring out what had happened to me. It helped heal me as a person, and it helped me give back as well. So it wasn't easy becoming a nurse. You know, becoming a nurse is is hard work. It's a lot of hard work. But I also had some physical challenges, um, some mobility issues that was lingering from the radiation t- from the radiation damage. Was able to start my career. I became a pediatric nurse. I had to stop nursing for a while just because of my mobility issues and pain issues and got into holistic nursing, studied massage therapy, started lymphedema therapy, actually wrote the chapter in the core curriculum on lymphedema. And that was really a fun thing for me to be able to do. Then finally, finally, Jody, I had the confidence to tell my story. And I'm getting a little choked up. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah, I finally had the confidence to be able to tell my story about having an ostomy. I became the Great Comebacks recipient 
it was my husband who actually encouraged me to do this. He's like, you know, Joanna, it's time to really tell your story. So I knew about the great comebacks through becoming a WOCN. My husband encouraged me, and that's what got me telling my story. Even more than becoming a WOCN itself, I was still a little bit hesitant, but reading Rolf Panerska and that whole program, I got myself out in the world, which finally connected me to the UOAA. Were you frightened when you first started to talk about it more publicly? You know, that's an interesting that you asked me that. When I became the national recipient of the Great Comebacks, immediately there was a story in the newspaper in my local area of Apex, North Carolina. And I was like, oh my gosh, that first day I was like, what have I done? I remember the article came out on a Sunday and that very next day was a Monday going back to work. And I, the first thing I did was sit at my desk. I took a deep breath and I'm like, okay, life is about to change. And my phone rang on my desk and it was the emergency room. And there was a little boy down in the emergency room with an ostomy whose mother did not know what to do. I don't see kids at my hospital. I'm in a small satellite hospital. So it was very rare to have a child. But I walked down there and this mother was waving that newspaper saying, I need this nurse by the name of Joanna. Where can I find her? So it just all started and it snowballed. And, you know, now I am very confident. And here I am on your podcast. I'm so <laughs> happy. Thank you. So did you always want to be a walk nurse specifically or did that come later as far as your nursing? Yeah, that, that definitely came later. As a new 22-year-old nurse, I started out in pediatrics because I was a kid, you know, because I basically was, you know, surrounded by sick kids for much of my life. So I explored the world of pediatrics and um, worked with kids with cancer. One of my very first patients, interestingly, had, I was a three-year-old with a rhabdomyosarcoma of the bladder. I think it was that experience of sharing. A friend of mine encouraged me to share my story with his parents because I, you know, had not really shared this only with my best friend. Growing up, I always had a best friend who knew, but that was about it. And she was like, Joanna, you got to, you got to tell this kid's family what's happened to you. And we have remained close for 30 years. Actually, this young man who is now a doctor, you know, sometimes life comes full circle. I told my story to him. His mother and I have exchanged letters for these past 30 years, and he now works in the same facility where I was treated as a kid. And he he now has a continent diversion. So yeah, life comes full circle and it's it's so interesting. So it was, you know, it's all those little pieces as you journey through life that build you up to what you eventually want to do. So eventually, you know, it was through the pediatric experience, my experience as a holistic nurse, my experience with one-on-one -on -one working with patients with lymphedema in an outpatient lymphedema setting. It was finally that all of those pieces that culminated in finally Joanna, it's time to become a wound and ostomy nurse. So I've been one for about 11 years and I work in an acute care setting. So I see, you know, fresh off the boat, people with new ostomies who are traumatized. And I am very lucky to be able to follow them through the continuum of care. So I also started my facility's first outpatient ostomy clinic. So I am able to follow them through. 
until they feel that they're on their own. It's a very good situation. I feel very lucky. Wow. That's a perfect model for uh, care for ostomy patients, it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I fought for that model. When I first interviewed as a, as a new ostomy nurse, I'm like, have you ever thought about starting an outpatient ostomy clinic? It took six years, but my supervisor was right there along with me by the name of Melanie Johnson. And I gave her so much credit and we did it. We did it together. We got this That's going. Great. Yeah. I bet you're busy now that that's up and running. Oh, well, for anybody who's a, you know, a WOCN nurse, the outpatient world is very different from inpatient. It's a whole different ball game. It takes a lot of time. It's completely different, but so worthwhile. It just fills your heart. It's why we do what we do in every way. So very glad to have it. Absolutely. That's great. And are you able to do wound incontinence in your practice the way it's set up now? Or how does that all go? I do full scope practice. I do wounds. I do ostomies. I do continence, mostly dermatitis and incontinence and things like that. But yes, full scope, absolutely full scope practice. Yes. Now, I know you're very involved with the UOAA, so could you explain, we have some international listeners, so I wondered if you could explain what the UOAA is and a little bit about their mission, and then maybe tell us all the things that you do with them, because I know that you are doing a lot. Absolutely. So I, you know, I didn't know a lot about the UOAA until, you know, when I was a kid, we weren't connected in the way that we are today in the world. We didn't have a computer to Google ostomy and come up with the UOAA. I put all my energy into becoming a wound and ostomy nurse. And then it wasn't until I became the Great Comebacks recipient and the UOAA found me because I began to I began to tell my story. When I got involved with them, I was just floored with I was like, why didn't I know about them long ago? Because I was just amazed about all they have to offer. So they found me. I was encouraged to run to be elected onto their board. And I won that election, so became an elected member of the board, and then was asked to be part of their advocacy committee. So basically what the UOAA is, it's an organization that promotes quality of life for people with ostomies and continent diversions through providing information, support, advocacy, and collaboration. It's actually a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So this is basically run by volunteers. So it is, you can't imagine what it's like to be at your first board meeting and everyone sitting around that table has an ostomy. It's a unique experience, it really is. So the way that they provide all of this is we have a lot of educational information on the website. Anything from, and this is good timing because we have just finished our new and improved nutritional guidebook. This is a comprehensive nutritional guidebook. I know that the nurses have really liked our old one, but I, but we have spent about a year and a half updating this. And this is going to be a new comprehensive guidebook that's going to be launched on Ostomy Awareness Day. So we're very excited about that. So we offer all sorts of educational materials for each ostomy type. We offer education about anything from how to go back to work to how to navigate the, TC, the TSA if you're flying, to how to swim with an ostomy and how to navigate that. 
So I welcome everybody to really peruse the website because there's lots of good information and we're constantly updating our information as well. We supply support. We have over 300 affiliated support, support groups, which are located across the country. And some of these support groups were started by nurses. Some of these were started by patients. And we need more. I mean, 300 sounds like a big number, but we need more support groups. If you think about it, there are 725 to a million Americans living with an ostomy. So we need more support groups. We really do. And the people that are able to find a support group and people can go on the website and find these support groups. There's lots of online support groups, which certainly meets the need for many patients, but there's something about being in person with somebody who's traveled that journey. Maybe not exactly the same as your journey, but very similar. So there's something about being with someone in person to kind of share that story that is very, very important for so many people. And we also have an online support group as well. So people can go to our discussion board and put in a question and somebody's going to immediately answer that question. We do have actually our vice president monitors that um, discussion board. So that becomes very important for people for people as well. I know, Jody, we're going to get more into advocacy, but advocacy has become huge in the UOAA. Our president, Susan Burns, recognized several years ago the importance of bringing on a staff, a group of people who could help us really grow the United Ostomy Associations of America. So we have a wonderful staff and our advocacy is monitored by a person by the name of Janine Gleba who manages the advocacy committee. I'm on the board of the advocacy committee. And in a little bit, we'll talk a little bit more about what we're doing with advocacy, but that's huge. We are teaching patients how to have a voice and how to get the, and how to meet their needs. But it goes beyond the patient as well. We're teaching nurses and medical professionals how to find their voice when meeting the needs of these patients as well. So that has become very, very, very important. And you know, as far as our collaborative work, we like the WOCN Society, the WOCNCB, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. We have a lot of people that we collaborate with so that our voice is stronger. You know, being a good advocate yourself, that we need many voices in meeting the needs of, um, of these patients. That's really nice that you have collaboration with these other groups so it's more voices to speak to the issues for our patients. We feel that this tends to be an underserved population. We don't have enough ostomy nurses to meet the need of all those people that I just spoke of. So we need to, we need to band together to get these meets net for this population. So we're working hard and we're, we, we really appreciate our, our collaboration with people like you, like the WOCN Society. I know I've become very involved with WOCN and it's a professional organization that is so wonderful. And I enjoy being that bridge between WOCN and UOAA. And I know we're just getting stronger and stronger and, and things like this podcast really help that as well. So it's pretty wonderful. So as far as I joined the UOAA about, it's been almost four years now. And like I said, at that first, first board meeting, I was feeling so inspired. Everybody's sitting around there with an ostomy and we really recognized the need that we needed to grow advocacy. 
I met Janine Gleba for the first time and just volunteered to chair that committee. So that has been three years and it has been so exciting. Talking, talk about a snowball effect. You know, I have learned so much. I was a, I was a pretty shy little girl. You know, having an ostomy, having something that I didn't know anybody else in the world that had one. So I kind of was a person that walked through life very quietly, kind of looking out at the world, deciding where my place was and trying to figure that out. It was through Janine. And Janine, just a little bit about her background, she was just crucial in her. She has a daughter with hearing aids who is deaf. And she was crucial for getting hearing aids, the cost of those covered in New Jersey. So that's how her advocacy started. So meeting Janine and learning all the ways that she went about doing this and what it means to be an advocate for a population that you care deeply about, I have learned a tremendous amount. And again, I'm getting a little bit weepy about that because it, it really touches the core of me. It really does. So I have learned to speak up. That shy little girl now speaks out and <laughs> talks about the important things. One of the first things that I was very involved in was sort of the recreation of the Patient Bill of Rights, the Ostomy Incontinent Diversion Patient Bill of Rights. This was considered the Ostomates Bill of Rights back in the 1970s. So we kind of pulled that back out. And one of my first questions to Janine was, you know, how can this really make a difference? There aren't enough ostomy nurses. There's not enough. So how can this possibly make a difference? And with her encouragement, we sat down, we revised it, and we have created tools on how patients and nurses can use these patient bill of rights to make a difference, to make a difference in this population. So basically, the goal is to get more ostomy nurses. What the patient bill of rights is basically, it's a tool. It's a tool for patients and for nurses, and it gives the guidelines of what should happen for a patient who's about to undergo ostomy surgery or who has undergone ostomy surgery. So it basically, if you look at it, it outlines what should happen through the continuum of care. So it talks about what should happen for a patient preoperatively, they should have stomacite marking and they should have counseling. It talks about what should happen in acute care, the resources that should be given to them and what they should be able to learn how to do. And it talks about what should happen after they leave the hospital, that they should be followed through the continuum of care. So home health, there should be a nurse that knows how to change an ostomy pouch and that knows how to continue that education. And then if a patient comes back to the hospital for any reason that may be unrelated to having an ostomy, that there will be a nurse that knows how to take care of them should they need that care. So this is a comprehensive outline of what should be expected for these patients. And then what we did was, back to my question is, Janine, how is this going to make a difference? So what we did is if you go to our website, we have tools, like a toolkit on how to do this. So we've got an outline of how they can use the patient bill of rights. So for instance, in my outpatient clinic, one day I had a woman that came to me so angry that she had to travel two hours to see an outpatient ostomy nurse. And I'm like, here's what you can do. Here's your patient bill of rights. 
You take this to your hospital administrator and make a change. And that's exactly what she did. So she was able to take this back to her own ostomy nurse that took care of her that she loved. She loved this ostomy nurse. And she and the ostomy nurse worked together with their hospital administration to start an outpatient ostomy clinic. Fascinating. It was wonderful. And that's the success that we want to see. And so we also have an outline of what nurses, of what WOC nurses can do to make a change with the Bill of Rights and what nurses on the floors can do. You know, unfortunately, many hospitals across the country, as you know, do not have ostomy nurses for their patients. So this is what a nurse can do to with the patient Bill of Rights to make a difference. We just had our national conference and we were giving these out. We have patient bill of rights that patients can download on the website and put in their wallet. We have wallet cards. You can print them off of the website. You can frame it. You can put them in your office. There's lots you can do with a patient bill of rights. So I really encourage people to do that. Wow. It seems like that could help someone get a position for an ostomy nurse in an uh, organization as well, along with other things, but that would be a good tool to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, I am not that shy little girl anymore. My nurse, my nurse manager and I, that's how we did it. We went to our administrators and we got the backing of our surgeons and we took this and said, if we're going to truly meet what is expected for these ostomy patients, we have to have an outpatient clinic. So absolutely, Jody, you are correct. You, this is what it's meant to be. This is what it's meant to be used for. That's been my main thing with, and we've also created a toolkit, a really nice toolkit for patients on how to speak up and, and know their voice. So we've got a toolkit about how to know your ostomy, how to know your ostomy pouching system, how to look at your medical records and know what you're looking at, how to know your health insurance, and how to understand the emotional aspects of having an ostomy. So this is part of a big, we spent about a year creating these blogs and these outlines of this toolkit. So again, I, I recommend that you go to the website and look at this. If you go to advocacy and look at the toolkits that we've created, you're going to see all that we just talked about, the patient bill of rights in these toolkits as well. And these okay, are great. Yeah. These, are, these are great pieces to run off for your patients as well. Okay. We give our patients the TSA form and uh, they laminate it and love it. That's wonderful. The people worry about traveling. So I'm excited to see uh, nutritional guideline book again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So yes, look out for that. It's going to be hot off the press very soon. And just one other thing, I'm glad you mentioned the TSA. We have a liaison person that works with the TSA. He's actually currently our treasurer, George Solomy. And we've had, you know, this is another way nurses can use the UOAA. We've had nurses call with patients that had a bad experience. And George is right on the ball. And he's con contacted the patient very confidentially, and he's voiced some of the concerns from these patients to the TSA. So we've made leaps with the TSA in making these travel experiences much better for patients. These bad experiences are becoming less and less and less, but if they happened, George is right on it. So that's one thing I, I want to make sure nurses know. So we had a couple incidences not too long ago where we were contacted by WOC nurses and we were able to remedy some of these situations. Wow, that's great. Patients are very afraid of that and concerned about what's going to happen. 
They are. That's a big thing. So again, they can download that travel card on the UOA website, keep it with them. They can show any stewardess that if they have to get up and use the bathroom, they can use that on the plane. So yeah, it's a great tool. It's a great Mm -hmm. tool. And it's a good bright blue color. So it's easy to find in your wallet. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So what else goes on with the UOAA in terms of advocacy related to supplies and adequate supplies to care for ostomies? Because I have to think that people call you. Tell me a little bit about what goes on about that. So that's one of the big things that Janine Gleba has taken on is the supply issues, access to supplies and access to care and all of that. So we get just so many calls in our our office interestingly is located in Kinneybunk, Maine. It's a small office, but we do big things in that little tiny office. And one of them is answering the calls about supplies. And we are often asked, you know, I've been gone beyond my limits. Medicare allows a certain amount every so many months. And sometimes we WOC nurses know some of these nightmares on Ostomy Street. That's what we call them. So we know those and we know patients go through their supplies. So we are actually working with CMS. We have a research project going on with them. They're actually putting Ostomy Awareness Day in one of their little things that they post off to patients. Janine just told me that today. So we're we're getting a good relationship with them. We really are. They have encouraged us to do a research project on the Patient Bill of Rights. So um, I think it's going to take time to get this situation better. Many patients have adequate supplies, but there's those with difficult stomas that don't. So Janine is really the one that's working very hard on this issue. Hopefully with the WOCN Society and WOCN CB, we will collaborate together and get this better in the future for patients. Yeah, that would be great. It's, it's really devastating, as you know, when people can't get what they need. It is. Well, and as you know, if we don't have a home health nurse that really adequately knows how to help someone who's maybe not ostomy trained, I get many calls where somebody's on their last pouching system, which actually happened not too long ago. So we all see that happening. So we do want to see that better. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So coming up is Ostomy Awareness Day, and I believe it's Saturday, October 5th. And the theme for this year is Ostomies Are Lifesavers. The website is beautiful. There's all kinds of information on there about that. But uh, tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. What's the goal of Ostomy Awareness Day? Every year, we spend an entire year working very hard at this. And our staff up in Maine is on this almost every day. It's been amazing. So there's lots of there's lots of Twittering going on and Facebooking on as we get closer and closer. So be on the lookout for those. But all of the country, this is a day that's really meant to inspire people, to educate people, to support people, really about what having an ostomy or continent diversion means. And it's to bring awareness to patients, to nurses, to families who may not know about this, and to the community. You know, there's people who have never heard about ostomy or their only source of ever having heard about ostomy is maybe from something negative they heard in social media or something that was on a television show or, you know, maybe they had their old Uncle Joe back in the day who was stuck in a corner because he smelled bad. 
There was so much negative stigma about ostomy that in 2010, which is when this all started, we decided that we needed to bring something to bring positivity to the world of ostomy. And thus was born Ostomy Awareness Day. This has really taken off in the last, since 2014, it has really, really grown. Again, one of the reasons is because of our president, Susan Burns, who recognized the need to bring on a staff who could help handle all that goes involved, all that's involved in, in bringing on something that's a huge event. So like I said, our staff is working really, really hard. So in the past six years, one of the reasons that this has become so big, and I'm very happy to brag on them, is because of two nurses, Laura Leiniger and Angela Richardson, who started the 5K Ostomy Awareness Run for Resilience Ostomy 5K Walk Runs. And this really gave it a huge boost. It really did. So we have, for this day, there's lots of things that are going on. So first of all, there are eight ostomy 5k run walks that are happening all across the country in different areas. There's Birmingham, Alabama, Arizona, Michigan, Nashville. There's even Vancouver is another one of them. So go on the website and find out where these are going on. And, you know, I am not an athletic person. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what is this going to be like? <laughs> I'm not a runner or jogger or anything like that. So what this day, you know, when you get survivors together and people may have experienced with the breast cancer awareness and, you know, anybody that does anything that brings awareness to a cross, when you get a group of people who've had ostomy surgery and the people who love them and the caregivers who have cared for them, when we all come together on a, on a morning and we are in our t-shirts that are all the same. And when we are driven for that common purpose, it will bring chills. It brings chills. So when the race starts and everybody's, you know, starts marching together, it's almost overwhelming because it gets you right at the heart of who you are and why you do what you do. And if you haven't ever done it, just Go to the website and see if there's a location near you that's holding a race. Um, if not, you can do a virtual race. Nurses have been known to get together. You know, get around your computer and do the virtual race together. Grab one of your fa favorite ostomy patients and do it that way. There's industry that is now a part of this. Hollister has their own stickers, Ostomy Awareness Day stickers, and you can get them for free off the website. You can order them. Convitec has a t-shirt that's, that's $5 that you can get. So I really recommend if you are in a department with WOCNs, all of you go ahead and get the t-shirt, wear it near or on that day if you're working, and just talk about it. Talk about this patient population because we want to make this a very positive day for people. We really do. We want to do that. Look for social media. Look for this on Facebook. There's going to be Twitter chats going on. In fact, I'm leading one of the Twitter chats about healthy living which is going to be centered around the nutrition guide that's coming out. So we're going to be talking about nutrition and healthy living on Ostomy Awareness Day, which will be really, really wonderful. So go on the website and look at all the things that are there. We've created an amazing infographic.
which is just a fun, simple way to teach people about what ostomy is and how many people have an ostomy and how it is a lifesaver. We're encouraging people to write letters to their editor. We have several people doing that now. You know, get it out in the paper. We are really encouraging people to contact their local legislators. We are trying to get proclamations for Ostomy Day, and our goal is to reach every state across the country. I think we have eight states right now, and we uh, we also have Congressman Donald Payne from the 10th Congressional District in New Jersey. We are hoping we are close to getting him to designate a resolution. He's going to take this resolution to the House and proclaim October 5th as Ostomy Awareness Day across the country. So he is on our side. So that is fantastic. So crossing our fingers, that's about to happen. We hope so. Our very own WOC nurse, Gina Day, if you know Gina, just had a TV interview in Pennsylvania. And she talks about her patients and her love for patients and how important Ostomy Awareness Day. And we also have a champion, our very own champion by the name of Damon Little. And if you haven't heard about Damon Little, he is a Grammy-winning gospel singer. One of his songs called Be All Right. He's tweaked that song to fit the ostomy population. And so he is our Ostomy Day champion this year. And we are very excited to have him. He had an ostomy as a kid, interestingly. It was eventually reversed but it still is a part of who he is and he recognizes the need for positivity with this population. So it's very exciting. And I absolutely love our logo this year. If you haven't seen the logo, it's a life preserve. I was thrown the life preserver as a kid from my caregivers. You know, we're going to save this kid. I was given a 10% chance of surviving. And then I was given maybe I would survive till age six. So ostomy was my lifesaver. It was my life preserver. We as ostomy nurses, what do we do? We're throwing that life preserver to all of our patients again and again, no matter how many times it takes. And sometimes we have to throw it a few times. You know, we know that <laughs> we know that a patient goes through some for some of them. It's a long adaptation period that takes quite a while. And as we know, if a person's a long term survivor like myself, each stage of development is going to bring new challenges. So sometimes you feel like you need that life preserver over and over and over again as you start dating or you want to meet your husband or your spouse or your partner or whoever that is. And how are you going to navigate the world and how are you going to find your way? That's why I love this symbol of a life preserver because it's so fitting. It really is. That's what we got going on for the most part. Wow. What are you personally going to do on October 5th? So on October 5th, Jody, I am not a morning person at all, but I am getting up at 530 in the morning and I live about 20 minutes from Durham where our 5K race is happening. And my husband is not a morning person either, but we're going to put on our t-shirts for Ostomy Awareness Day and we're going to drive to the race site and I am setting up the UOAA booth. And we're going to give out educational materials and we are going to, I'm going to have my two little dogs with me that are going to be in their little dog stroller. And they're going to be on what we call the tobacco trail, which is where our 5k is done. 
and my husband's going to do that part, and I'm going to do the educational part. We're going to have our music going. We're going to cheer each person that walks across that finish line. And with each person that walks across that line, whether it's a survivor, whether it's a medical provider, a nurse, a WC nurse, a surgeon, a family member, we are all going to be cheering those people that cross that finish line. We're going to eat snacks. <laughs> and Sounds we're, great. We're just going to be cheering, cheering, cheering. We actually, at our race, we have face painting for the kids. We have games for the kids. We actually have a separate little run for the kids as well. So it's about a three-hour morning where we have a lot going on, and people are going to have their stickers from Hollister on. Some people have their Convitec t-shirts, and some people are going to have those race t-shirts with a life preserver. And we're just going to we're just going to celebrate and just be happy that we are alive, knowing that ostomy surgery saved our lives. And we're going to celebrate the people who took care of us and the people who love us. That's wonderful. Now, am I remembering this correctly? Did that run for resilience start in North Carolina? I somehow have that in my brain that it did. It did start in North Carolina. It started with Laura and Angela. They actually did a lot of education with their staff, um, Laura at the University of North Carolina and Angela at Duke University Hospital. They began to have their nurses wear a pouch just to see what it felt like. And that sort of turned into the first race, which is which was called the Wanna Wear One race. It stemmed from, you know, we want you to know what it feels like to have an ostomy pouch on. And then that sort of transitioned the next year, which would have been 2015, into the run for resilience. Because we felt the we felt the word resilience really epitomized who people are who go through ostomy surgery, you know, who survive it and are wearing something that, you know, not a lot of people know about or who have difficulty talking about the way they go to the bathroom. So we thought the resilience was just the perfect word. And that's how it transitioned into the Run for Resilience Ostomy 5K event. It's amazing what some nurses could do when they want to. And the momentum in our town, one of the very first patients who was in this race, her name was Sandy McBride. She was 33 years old when she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. She went through 17 years of multiple surgeries and eventually an ileostomy. And this was a patient of Laura's. Sandy ran the first race. And by the time the next race came along, she had passed away at a very young age. So in our town of Durham, North Carolina, we also remember Sandy McBride and the patients who we have lost as well. It's a celebration of the lives who are there, but it's also the people who we've lost as well. There's lots of heart that goes into these. And so that's why I encourage. And I think it's also a way of for nurses, for WC nurses who have worked so hard with so many of these patients and have lost many patients as well, you know, to come together and recognize them and just embrace each other. And it's like a support group for nurses as well, because we need that. We need that healing. We work very hard for our patients. And it is sad when we lose some of them. We just rejoice that the momentum goes on and the people who are still living and that we're going to make this a positive experience and turn ostomy into a positive word. That's great. So if I were a WOC nurse and I heard this podcast and I was like, I want to get involved and I want to do something for the UOAA, uh, what kind of things would you suggest or where would you direct someone like that, Joanna? I would start, you know, where does everybody start? Go online. 
go to the UOAA website. <laughs> you can even just Google Ostomy Awareness Day and you're going to find a lot of information about some of the things that industry is doing and what the UOAA is doing. You're going to come to the infographic, print that out. If you can get it printed out in color because it's a really fun infographic that really does explain this in a simple way. Pass it out. If you work in acute care, pass it out at your hospitals. Post it on the bulletin boards. Get your nurses involved. Wear your t-shirts. Bring awareness to your hospital. Get the nurses. You know, all WC nurses have sample pouches. You know, I know I have a closet full of them. So get your nurses to wear one. See what it feels like. Get your nurses educated so they're not so scared of treating somebody with an ostomy to do to work with that population. When you're not around as a WOC nurse, you come back on the weekend and maybe somebody's been patched and taped because the nurse was too afraid to, to change the pouch. We need to change that. So it's a way to bring education to the nurses. It really is. Get as many free stickers from Hollister as you can. Pass them out. Get a little group. If you are not in an area where there is a race going on, do the virtual race. It's a wonderful thing to do. You know, people can gather around their computer and do it together or do it by yourself in the morning while you're drinking your coffee. And if you are by yourself, just celebrate that you are a WOC nurse, which is such a special nurse to be. We are so, I would say my experience is I feel treasured as a WOC nurse. And when I was new to the job, I would walk on a floor and I would hear hand clapping because they're like, oh, my goodness, thank God she's here. So <laughs> <Help>. <laughs> exactly. So we are treasured. We really are. Know that because we get exhausted just like anybody else. You know, we work very hard. And if you're by yourself on Ostomy Awareness Day, get your cup of coffee, turn on that virtual race and know that you are truly treasured as a person, as a nurse. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Did I say enough about how to get involved? I think so. I think so. I was on the website uh, in anticipation of chatting with you because I like to be a little bit informed. And I'm on that website often anyway, as I said, because of the, the blue uh, card that my patients love. And the website is beautifully done. Like I would really encourage anyone, nurses and patients alike, to really get on that site and see what's there. There's so much information and it's so beautifully arranged and presented. It's really nice. Oh, thank you for that feedback, Jody. This was something that we really worked very hard at in the last two years was we really revised the entire website. So if there are any nurses that are not familiar with the new website, it is much more patient-friendly. It is colorful. We've made it, you know, the, the simpler wording, the better. So we have made it so that it is very friendly to use. And go ahead and go and look at that website. And thank you for that feedback because I really want to encourage nurses and patients to go on there and use it. Because like I said, I was just shocked that I had not realized all that the UOAA does when I was first a new WOC nurse. And even from the time that I became aware of the UOAA until now, in the last, even in the last five to six years, there is so much new information and so much more that we've been able to provide for both nurses, providers, and patients. So please take a look. It's amazing. It really is amazing, beautiful work that you're all doing. What else should we talk about that maybe I didn't ask you about? 
Certainly, we want to send people to the UOAA website to get information and to participate in whatever way they can. But what else is important while we're discussing this whole issue that we should chat about tonight, Joanna? I would just say this is really a time if you've never, ever been involved in Ostomy Awareness Day, make this your first time that you're going to be involved because it's so easy to be involved. We have made it easy for you and industry has made it easy for you to do this. Again, go to the website. There are so many ways. This is your time. You know, embrace who you are as an ostomy nurse and all that you do for your patients. I know so many WOC nurses who just go above and beyond. And we, like I said, we do get tired and we're like, uh, one, you know, it's, there's, there's kind of this feeling like, oh, I don't know if I can fit one more thing in my life. That's why we have made it easy for you. That's why we've made it easy. You can just spend a morning reading the Twitters, looking at the Facebook page. But what I have found when I'm getting tired, I need to be inspired. You know, I need a little, you know, like our cars need gas. I need, I need to be rejuvenated. All right. And I know this is the day that does it for me. It's like, oh, I become filled up again. Like I said, there is nothing like being with a group of people You know, if you don't have an ostomy, if these are the people that you've learned how to take care of, there is nothing like seeing the success of your ostomy patients who are now out in the world living their lives. They're back to work. You know, they've gone on to have children. They've grown up if they were children and have gotten married and have children on your of their own. This is the day to celebrate what you do. This is what you do. This is who you are. And so feed yourself on this day, feed yourself back and knowing that we need you. We need you. There are not enough of you. We need you. So fill yourself back up and just enjoy the day and enjoy all that you do to give back. That's really great advice because we celebrate Ostomy Awareness Day in our organization and it's it's great fun, but we celebrate the patients and the successes and, you know, the back to health and all that. And so it's kind of interesting to think about celebrating the WOC nurses and everything they do. So thank you for sharing that. I, I bet a lot of our colleagues haven't thought about Ostomy Awareness Day in that way. Yeah, because, you know, Jody, I think we're such, you know, as a nurse in general, we're caregivers. We've learned to give, 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 give. And I think that's why we get worn out and we forget that we can fill ourselves back up. And this is a way to do it. Fill yourself back up because, you know, you need the oxygen before you can give it to your patient. You know, fill yourself back up and rejuvenate. Go out there in the world and do all the wonderful things that you're doing because we do need you. For sure. Well, thank you again for spending time with me today. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to hear this podcast when it airs because it's going to be wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And it has been a pleasure. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure too. Thanks, Joanna. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk Talk. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast for additional details about this topic and the speakers. You can also get more information about subscribing to this podcast so you never miss an episode and to get the latest news and information from the WOCN Society. Again, that's WOCN.org slash podcast. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode of Walk Talk. <laughs>